You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, and we have plenty of UK basketball to talk about. We weren't able to fit in all the stuff that we wanted to mention from from the game against Texas Tech, the big win that Kentucky had there. Also, there's a little bit of football involved that we uh, we should discuss, and we'll get to that uh, eventually. But uh, let's begin with uh, maybe the the news of the evening, if you will. On uh, we're recording this on Monday night, late Monday evening, and John Calipari on his radio show Monday said that Keon Brooks missed practice Monday, uh, was sick, and he suspects that Keon was sick going into that Texas Tech game, that he wasn't feeling well. And that might explain uh, the minutes that he had were a little little more limited. They were down a little bit. Uh, and also notice that Nate Sestina was in the game late. Like, you always want to see who those five players are who finished right. the game. And Sestina was one of them. Brooks wasn't. Uh, and you wonder mm, if that had something to do with uh, illness. Yeah, I, I thought I did think it was, uh, you know, Brooks had been playing so well. I think in, in his previous 45 minutes, I think we talked about it, he had 18 points, 19 rebounds, three blocks, three steals. He had really come on a, as a sort of role player off the bench and, and then kind of vanished. Uh, he played seven minutes, uh, no points, no rebounds, one turnover. Um when you know everybody else was playing huge minutes, Hagen's played forty-three, Maxi played forty, Quickly played forty-two, Richards played thirty-nine. Uh, to play seven minutes in an overtime game, um, mm. you know, there's obviously something going on there as well as he'd been playing. So I think that probably should make some people feel better because um, it's like, oh well, maybe he regressed. You know, we've seen guys go up and down in their progress, but uh, ideally for Kentucky, that was just an illness issue, and he can snap out of it. Uh, and it's, you know, unfortunate going back to the Khalil Whitney situation now. I mean, Brooks being sick on Monday and not practicing, if he's still uh, not feeling well on Tuesday and doesn't practice, then he's not going to play on Wednesday against Vanderbilt because Calipari says if you don't practice, you don't play. Uh, and this could have been a chance for Khalil Whitney uh, to get some minutes back. Uh, and who better to do it against? Like, th- this could have possibly been a game that Khalil Whitney got extended minutes and maybe broke out like and had this game where everybody said and Calipari went, there it is. That's what I was waiting to see. Uh, you know, I'm just going on about that. But Vanderbilt is, you know, as we know, not very good. And Kentucky, you know, could be up big in that game. And, yeah. And some guys yeah. could see some time. I mean, this might have been a window. Yeah, for sure. The, you know, Texas Tech, they might have thrown him out there. They played Johnny a, a decent amount of minutes. Um you know, and uh, with him sick, and then Wednesday, like you said, I, I'd be shocked if a, a home game against a really bad Vanderbilt team if they're not up big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a a missed opportunity for somebody who is looking for one. Uh, the other thing I want to say about Cleo Whitney, um, just not not necessarily specific to him, but uh, that you know that idea of you got to be one and done in Kentucky, and we've now keep seeing so many examples of guys that don't have to be. But the other thing that you forget, 
is like if you go through the season and you're not projected to go in that first round or not projected to be a lottery pick after a year, you're still a college kid. Like you're still 18, 19 years old, maybe younger. And college can be, it was for me, some of the best years of your life. And for Nick Richards, after the game, you know, you were there in that post-game press conference, and the, the questioning, had, you know, you had turned it that way toward asking Calipari about Khalil. And then I guess maybe just some follow-up to that, um, you know, quickly was asked about how he felt about it. And then Nick basically said, well, you know, everybody's story is different. And uh, for me, I've had the best three years of my life. I mean, he's met potentially his, his future bride, uh, and I mean, to spend, he's going to get his degree. So there's so many things that you can still accomplish and not have to be in a rush. Now I understand the risk of injury. And like I said, if you're, you know, projected to be a lottery pick, first round pick, you're not going to leave millions of dollars on the table because you want to, you know, spend more time in college. I get that. But also there's, there is no rush. Like for Khalil Whitney, uh, Life's you know, pretty good on the this yeah. campus as a Kentucky basketball player. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, there's a number of ways that you could take that, but life is pretty good for a young man in a who people recognize on campus as a Kentucky basketball player. Right. Yes, it is. So there's nothing wrong with it. Um, now another comment from Calipari uh, post game that I wanted to mention was that he he didn't say Tyrese Maxey's name. But we all know who he was talking about, and he said, when we got up 10, I just said, we're going to you. I'm, I'm going to you, and I told him I was going to him, and that if we lose the game, well, like, it's on you. <laughs> it's kind, kind of, of. Yeah, sort of. So, so help me, give me your take on this, because I, I want to understand what's behind that decision. He's trying to win the game. But so why you're up ten? You're always talking about we're trying to extend the lead, not blow these leads, double digit leads. Why wouldn't you say okay, we're going to Nick, or why wouldn't you yeah. say okay, we're going to Emmanuel? I think because he knows he's going to have to have Tyrese, and and Tyrese is in a little bit of a funk right now. Here's that the direct quote. I just pulled it up here. Uh, he said, I'll be honest with you. What I did when we were up 10, I went at the same guy on purpose. I said, if we lose the game, we lose the game. I was telling him I was doing it. Yeah, kid, this is the big stage. Let's go. He's a great kid, but he's going to have to learn now, and we need him. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's the bottom line. He felt He feels like, you know, it, you know, he wanted to win the game at Texas Tech, but he wants to win four, five, or six games in March mm-hmm. in a row, uh, and he knows they can't do that. You know, two guys, Manuel Quickly and Nick Richards, can't drag them, <laughs> you know, to the Final Four, probably. Um, They're going to need Maxi to step up too, so. Yeah, I mean, the the one nuclear scoring threat they have is Tyrese Maxey, and he's he's kind of, like I said, he's been in a funk. Uh, he If he turns it over, he kind of drops his head. Some typical freshman body language stuff. Yeah. Uh, doesn't get back on defense. Um, you know, he's well, doing he looked it. forced when that when they were when he's talking about. It. I watched some of those possessions after they were up ten, and everything looks forced, like taking an early three, deep three, early in the shot clock, uh, driving into two defenders on the baseline and just kind of throwing it up, driving down there, getting caught, making a bounce pass to nowhere. 
uh, everything looked forced when he was yeah. put in that situation. Yeah, and, and that may have been, you know, the wrong move. Maybe it just put too yeah. much pressure on him with his family there, his dad there, his mom and a bunch of other people there. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting approach for sure, I, I think, from Calipari. I don't know if, you know, he's he's the ultimate expert at button pushing, you know, and how to get it out of guys. So I'm not going to question it too much. Uh, but it didn't. It didn't work. The bottom line is it didn't work. Emmanuel quickly uh, finished two for ten, five turnovers. The most interesting thing that happened involving Tyrese Maxey all day was when he got fouled out and then not fouled out in the controversy. Right. Right. All right. Well, uh, when we come back, a little bit more on this uh, Kentucky Texas Tech game. Also Vanderbilt coming into town, and then later a little UK football talk when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee, and taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round, like the popular Trace Tour, or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Um, big win over uh, over uh, Texas Tech on the road, and uh, as you mentioned, Kyle, we've been talking about it uh, for weeks now. The you know these succession of Saturday road games that are all big and all uh, quality wins for Kentucky if they can do it. They they pass the test at Arkansas. They pass the test at Texas Tech. Uh, in between was a home game against Georgia, which is not very good. In between this one before the Auburn game on the Plains with college game day there is this midweek game against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is now tied the Southeastern Conference record for consecutive losses uh, in the league. I believe it's 23 now. Uh, that is tied for the most in a row, conference losses. It is tied with... Like, have you looked this up? Do you know this yet? No. Who they're tied with? Well, you'd never guess it in a million years. I'm not going to try to put you through it. Sewanee. Sewanee yeah, okay. College. Sure. Yeah. 1938 to 1940, Sewanee College lost 23 consecutive games in conference as a member of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, after that, uh, that, after they got that record, they left. They left the conference. That was their last season in the conference after losing 23 in a row. That's probably a good uh, indicator you should get out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think Vanderbilt will leave the conference, uh, but uh, I do you think they're going to. make a case for it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that they are going to break that record. They're going to be the new record holder for most consecutive conference losses. And uh, Calipari yeah. said on his radio show, though, uh, as you would expect him to. That I don't even think we should give him the satisfaction of say, quoting him because <laughs> he's full of it on this. But go ahead. Well, that he's, he says this about every team. But you yeah, know, if they, they hit all their threes, they'll win. They, no they'll kidding. Win, yeah. But, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll give Cal this. If they go 30 for 30 from three, they'll win. They're well, that not, is one thing not that even, they, 
they are doing horror. I mean, they are jacking him up and not hitting him. It's like Jerry Stackhouse, if you're a coach, you need to try a new strategy here, bud, because you're not good at shooting threes. They're not good at anything. I mean, <laughs> they went over twenty five to end that streak. They, you had. know, and to be fair to them, they didn't start the season terribly. They didn't right. start it great, but they didn't start it terribly. Uh, and then they, for the second straight year, lost their star. Or this time it was Aaron Neesmith. Last year was Darius Garland. Um, but but the thing is, they're not just losing. They're they're getting destroyed. Yeah, they lost to South Carolina, which is not a great team. And Kentucky lost to them too on a banked in three. They lost by twenty six. Uh, they lost uh, to Alabama at home uh, by fifteen. They lost to Tennessee by twenty one at home. They lost uh, at Arkansas by twenty. They Ooh. lost at home to Texas A and M, ranked one hundred and sixty ninth in Ken Palm by nineteen. Uh, they're not good, <laughs> and they're getting worse. <laughs> Uh, they are eight and eleven overall. They're a hundred and thirty, a hundred and eighty third in Ken Palm. They're the the lowest ranked team in the SEC. Uh, their best win is against number eighty nine Davidson. That was before the injury, and it was a narrow victory. So uh, well, they, they don't have s- a single. They do not have a single other top one hundred win. Yeah, it's really bad. I mean, it's really bad. Kentucky's going to win the game. If they if the, if Kentucky blows that game tomorrow, there's some there's a major issue. Yeah, um, I don't I, I can't see it. There's no scenario in which Kentucky blows that game in my no. mind. But no, um, as long as I mean they can't look ahead to Auburn, but I I would imagine they are. It's on their mind a little bit, knowing uh, what you know those players who were in that game. I mean Hagens and Richards, um, EJ, uh, Emmanuel. I mean, those guys, they were there. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to want to win that game for sure. Yeah. But, you know, they, in between, sandwiched in between Arkansas and Texas Tech road trips, they played a Georgia team they'd already beaten on the road, and they took care of business in that one. And yep. Georgia's significantly better than Vanderbilt. Certainly has a better star player. Um, I, I just, I don't see a path for Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to break their, it, it, that would be really a story if they broke their record Losing oh streak in the gosh. league at Rupp Arena. Then, then people could fire up the, the fire Calipari <laughs> Twitter account if they want. If you lose to Evansville and a, and a Vanderbilt team on a 25-game SEC losing streak uh, in the same season at Rupp, that would be bad. One thing I'm totally not, – not totally unrelated to this game because he'll be playing in it, but one thing I was just looking up that, and one of the guys we didn't talk a lot about in the last – episode from the last game Johnny Juzang hit a couple shots again in this game um and you know really had a nice I thought a nice performance he was um I'm trying to pull it up here yeah he also had a couple mistakes where they had to pull him out because he wasn't accustomed to being in the pressure cooker at the end but you know you have him on this team to be a shooter and he's been a a misser so far but that that is that seems to be turning. Over the last three games, he's played forty three minutes and scored sixteen points with five rebounds, and he's seven of thirteen from the field. And most of those have been like long two point jumpers, yeah. uh, but they've looked great. And he's hit you know not great a great clip, but he's hit two out of his six threes in that time. So he's seen some shots, some longer shots go down and look really pure. Honestly, I mean, Calipari said before the season, you think everyone's going in. 
That's true. When you watch him, I watch him warm up. I mean, when he lets it go, it looks great. So I think as he gets some confidence, and he seems to be getting some confidence, you know, he's scored five five or more points in each of the last three games, which doesn't feel like a lot, but when you were scoring none, you know, he started the yeah. season shooting like 22% from the field uh, and in the teens from three. Um, and so when you go from that to the clip he's on right now, over 50% shooting the last three games, and the 13 attempts is not a tiny amount, um, I think you can start to feel good or, good, uh, better about him, gooder about him uh, <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, and he wasn't a turnover machine uh, like some of the other guys. I could not believe – there was so many – like Texas Tech forces, I mean, they, they get, you know, 17 turnovers a game. Now, but how many of those uh, 20 turnovers that Kentucky had a season high were – I mean, Emmanuel quickly had six by himself, and I feel like three of them were walks. Like, they didn't force him to walk. He just, you know – something happened in his head and he just, he, he walked. There were so many where Kentucky gave it away. Like, uh, but you know, Calipari said, if you take away the, he thinks they had six charges. Um, I would, I mean, it's gotta be close. I mean, they yeah. talked about on the broadcast, apparently that it's a stated goal that they get five a game, which is yeah. just, I really like Chris do. Beard and I like, you know, the culture and everything he's built. But man, I hate the charge, and I hate <laughs> I hate that the game is set up so that you can coach that. You know, yeah, I mean, he's just strategy. taking advantage of the rules. But I mean, it's just awful. Like nobody wants to see that. Of yeah. course, your guys are going to flop if you're if the if you got a stated goal to achieve of taking five charges a game. And I think he's <laughs> Cal's probably right. They took five or six. Um, and you take yeah, you take those away, and it's a much more normal turnover number for Kentucky. You yeah, know, thirteen, fourteen. That's that's a that's an acceptable number. Yeah, and I don't know that quickly had three walks. He had two that I can remember a hundred percent, and then like the illegal screen call on uh, Nate Sestina. Or, well, and the the quickly the over and back, and quickly had the charge where he made the floater, and the, oh, ball, yeah. the ball was out before he made contact with the defender. Like the yeah. ball was almost in the net by the time the 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 fa- quote unquote foul occurred, um, which could have been a huge. You know, had it gone the other way, that would have been you know, one of the major turning points in the game. And I didn't think the over and back. That was another turnover that I just thought was crazy. It was a loose ball. Apparently, you know, by the letter of the rule, that's how it works. Was it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, a bunch of different officials have commented on that. I don't really understand it, but apparently they did apply that rule correctly. Well, uh, one more thing we're going to talk about in the next segment. We, I'll, we'll tease it right now, but uh, before we even get to that, I wanted to mention the – SEC Big 12 challenge results where it was wound up being a tie, 5-5. But uh, the wins that the SEC did get pushed it past the ACC in the conference power rankings on Ken Palm. Like, I guess like the, you know, the Big 10, the Big East. Uh, what would it be after the those two? Um, Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac-12. Like, I don't know if they're – but anyway, the SEC moved beyond – the ACC, which was uh, interesting, uh, considering that the uh, the SEC is, you know, supposedly not as sharp this year. Uh, there's still some some pretty decent teams in there. Um, yeah, you look I at mean, the rankings. LSU moved into the AP top 25, so Kentucky. Or I mean, the SEC now is three in there: Kentucky, Auburn, and, and LSU. Yeah, and I, I would I would think, um, you know, from the top end perspective, like. 
Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, even Florida, probably Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama on any given day. Um, you know that top five or six is could pretty much hang with any conference. I think you know depending on matchup. Um, it's just more that the the where the league felt like it was super deep in years past. It feels like there's a real bottom. <laughs> you know this year there is. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ole Miss. I'm. I'm. I. I just continue to be shocked that Ole Miss is one game overall, one game over 500. You know, you got Georgia, you got Missouri, Georgia, Mississippi, and Vanderbilt are a combined three and 21 in the mm. league. Three and 21 in league play. Four teams, and then a And not much better. You know, South Carolina is South Carolina, Mississippi State. Those teams are kind of like, what are you going to get on a given night? Tennessee's trying, but they've they're they're so undermanned after all the NBA departures and then losing their starting point guard. Um, but I do think you know top five ish, six ish teams in the league in the SEC still are very good. And and to that point, Kentucky's still got LSU on the road. They still have Auburn twice. They still have Florida twice. They still have Tennessee twice. Um, and those are all the teams that I just mentioned being in that upper half of the league. So mm-hmm. K- Kentucky's work is har- is hardly done uh, getting through this conference. All right, when we return, we'll discuss what uh, Calipari had to say about those Texas Tech fans and how it relates to um, another school, uh, not uh, uh, in the SEC, but, but you know who I'm talking about. And then uh, Vince Marrow in Youngstown State, is that a thing? Uh, could Kentucky lose their their ace recruiter and Mark Stoops' right hand man to to Youngstown State? We'll talk about that when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and uh, John Calipari went into how um, uh, you know every game. Uh, that they go, some it's everybody's Super Bowl, blah, 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 and T-shirt night and bat night. And then he says, free beer. That's a first. We've, we've never had a free beer game, uh, but they they do it well here. They care about their team. The Texas Tech fans are classy. Uh, not like other places I've been. I've been to a bunch of other arenas, and some places are just disgusting where I won't take my team back. Why would I help that other that other program out? Why would I help them out by bringing my team there? I'm not going to do it. And the only place he could be talking about is Bloomington, Indiana. There's no other place that um, uh, where he feels that way that we know about. So, And then right on the heels of that, he says that on Saturday. And then on Sunday in an Indiana-Maryland game at Assembly Hall, a fan, more than one fan, throwing stuff onto the court at, at the end of the game at a Maryland player uh, and coach. So, yeah, <laughs> just fitting. Yeah, I mean, it's Indiana. I mean, obviously it's Indiana. There's only one place he won't go back to that we know of. Uh, so it has to be Indiana. Because um, he didn't say, won't take my team there. Won't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he said, I've been to arenas where I don't want to take my team back. It's disgusting. Um, you know, I, they had a bad experience. And, you know, Idiotically, Indiana fans will say, Cal's scared of playing them right. after after uh you know, they lost. And and I just the logic of that is so bizarre because okay, but they'll schedule a home and home with 
Michigan. They'll schedule, mm-hmm. you know, they play home and home with Louisville every year. They play in two events where they're going to play potentially a top five team most years. Um, you know, they're in this SEC Big 12 challenge. I mean, you can say they they have to go, but, like, they go – they've played at Kansas. They just played at Texas Tech. Uh, you know, they play they play at Arkansas. It's insane. And Auburn, all these places. I mean – He's taking them to Chapel Hill. Right. The, the, idea, the idea that he's afraid of Indiana, in the current state of Indiana especially, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the state of the program, uh, I don't – I think Cal's point, he, he keeps making it, is like – you know, Kentucky going there only helps Indiana. Exactly. Because, you know, what does Kentucky get out of it? Um, and he proposed neutral site. He even said that he would play two games in Indianapolis. Like, yeah. he wouldn't even bring the other game back. And he said at the time, <clears throat> Governor Steve Brashear told him, no, 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 Cal, we want one of those games yeah. back here in Well, and, like, you know, I would even – I'd be on board with criticizing Cal about it if Indiana was good. You know, if they were, like, perennially – Top even top fifteen ish, you know. If if they if you if you knew that was going to be a great opponent and a great game every time you went, it right. would make sense. But they're an also ran, and they have been ever since that season, basically, or maybe the season after. Um, and you give them an opportunity to do what they did then, yeah. which is you come in highly ranked, undefeated. Place is crazy, you lose, and then yeah. they storm the court. And and getting back around to why he called it disgusting, you know, the court storm was. It was fine. People do that. It was jubilation, but it was really kind of dangerous. Uh, and then what happened after, you know, Marcus Teague was from Indiana and, and chose Kentucky, and they the things they said to him were awful. He had to have mm-hmm. Michael Stone, the athletic, uh, the academic advisor, uh, a not small man, right. basically serve as a uh, fullback trying to get him out of there, blocking, pushing yeah. through that crowd. I think Anthony Davis took some abuse. Uh, on the way out and uh you know it was ugly that day you know is it always I have no idea I don't really cover games there but it was ugly that day and it was scary for them and Cal didn't like it and uh it it is really ironic that on the day he mentions that that an Indiana fan throws something at an opposing player it looked like multiple people may have been throwing stuff out of the stands at the end of that game um so that's that it's Indiana he was talking about Indiana (laughs) and (laughs) uh we know that, you know. He said, "Well, people, I'll say stuff, and and then people will tell me what it means." So yes, I'm telling you, it means Indiana. <laughs> well, and now on to football, and um, so Bo Pelini, uh, the former Nebraska head coach, is from Youngstown, knows the Stoops very well. Uh, I think uh, when Kentucky was looking for a defensive coordinator to uh, replace Matt House. Maybe Bo Pelini's name was tossed around because of the connections to the Stoops. But Pelini has been the Youngstown State coach, head coach, for I think the last five years, I believe. So he is going to back to LSU, where he was previously um, years ago, uh, to be the defensive coordinator uh, there at LSU under Ed Orgeron, uh, because their defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda, left to become... Where did he go? Do you remember? Uh, Dave Aranda went to uh, Is head Baylor. Coach of Baylor. Baylor. Yes, that's it, Baylor. So anyway, so now because, um, you know, Vince Marrow and his connections to Youngstown, being from there and all that, that if he wants to get into head coaching, this seems like a perfect first stop for him. Go to Youngstown State, get your feet wet as a head coach there, 
And then, you know, if it goes well, then you can move on and become, you know, head coach at bigger and better places. But this would be the perfect opportunity to do that uh, if you wanted to get into that. So uh, I haven't um, heard anything uh, other than just speculation that it just, you know, just putting two and two together, that's it. But I would think that uh, Vince Merrow likes likes his situation really well right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably making as much as the, he'd get to be the head coach at Youngstown State, isn't he? <laughs> I yeah. Mean, or could get it in a raise, you know, if he needed mm-hmm. to. Um and I don't know. Has he expressed much interest? Uh, how you know? Kenny Payne is pretty on the record. Like I want to be a head coach. I want my shot. I don't know that Vince Merrill has been uh, as outspoken about that. It's a pretty sweet gig. To you know, it's a lot of work. I'm not saying he's putting his feet up. He's out there pounding the pavement recruiting. But there's a lot of responsibility that goes into being the head coach, running a program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's got it really good here. Um, he's revered, you know, I mean, he, all around town, everybody knows and loves him. I think he's really established an identity as the big dog, as they call him here in Lexington. And I think he likes that. He loves Mark Stoops. I mean, that's another piece of it. Uh, you know, and if, if Mike Stoops is in fact coming, you know, Mike Stoops will be another guy that I'd be curious about that, you know, looks like Mark is working to hire here at Kentucky, but with that job open in their hometown and a guy who's been a head coach, uh, and probably would like to scratch that itch again. Like I, I almost say Mike, you know, the guy they're more likely to lose is Mike Stoops before he ever gets in the door. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know about Vince's desire to do that. It, it goes without saying it would be a massive blow to Kentucky. Um, I would think at some point Vince will go somewhere else. Um, if he does, uh, that's going to be – Stoops will have to nail that hire because that that I don't even know where you would go to get somebody like him, you know, because he's so, yeah. so, so connected in a state where they'd never really recruited. This program has never recruited before. Uh, Stoops came, and he's so tied into all those schools and then all the in-state schools now. I, I don't – I mean, it would be – I think it would be tougher in a way on Kentucky if – for Marrow to leave than for Mark Stoops to leave. And, and, you know, because I think, I think Stoops is great. I think you could hire a guy who knows how to run a program, but you, we know now you have to get better talent. You know, you've got mm-hmm. to upgrade the talent and, and Marrow's had more to do with that than anybody. And Marrow, when he talks about his recruiting pitch, uh, is when he goes out there is he talks about like their, how family oriented they are and that, when he tells them things about Mark Stoops and tells them, um, uh, you know, how, how they've grown up together and all those things, that then they get to see it in Stoops. Like, Stoops backs up everything that Marrow is out there selling because those two have grown up together. Like, that's, that's part of it is like, hey, me and Coach Stoops, we played high school football together. I mean, we've, we've known each other our whole lives. Um, I know his whole family. He knows my whole family. That's that's what this is about, and that is a big part, I think, of how they're able to get some of these guys that they get over other places is that feel, that feel of uh, we're not being lied to, it is this family atmosphere, they're going to take care of us, all that kind of thing. Uh, I think it works on the recruiting trail. So, yes, it would be huge. By the way, um, Pelini's salary, he averaged his first contract, was $214,000 a year at Youngstown State. Oh, Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, so so Vince makes way more than that. He makes probably like, seven fifty. Yeah, a year I mean, something around that yeah, area. It's got to be in that range. Uh, yeah, I can actually. Uh, it used to be because I, I know that um, uh, Eddie Grant is going. His is going up to nine fifty. I think by the year twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. In the next couple of years, that new deal he signed in December takes him up to almost a million dollars a year as a coordinator. Um, yeah, I'm trying so, to pull up the contracts here. Uh, they have a. It has to be. I'm going to say it's. I'm going to say it's seven fifty a year for Vince Marrow because of his um, his recruiting prowess. It's just worth it to them. Like I noticed that um, John Sumrall. Uh, his raise that he got uh, was a little larger than the one that uh, the bump that Clink Scale got. So that Summerall's making a little more than Clink Scale, and uh, I guess maybe that has to do with uh, Summerall's recruiting chops and the fact that he came from Ole Miss and they had to uh, meet that that money. I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not sure on that before I speculate uh, on that. But. In February. In February of 2019, uh, the first year of his new contract last February got him to 650 a year. And 650. That, so I think that escalated year by year. Um, so yeah, I mean so, he's he's probably in the basically in the in the three quarters of a million dollar range. So like three times, three and a half times what the Youngstown yeah. head coach was making. So, so no, would have to take I think a- he's staying. Yeah, he would have to take a pay cut of around uh, half a million dollars a year, and he would leave Lexington and live in Youngstown. Now, I know he's from Youngstown, but those guys don't live in Youngstown anymore. You know what I mean? Youngstown is not... Correct. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to trash the place. I'm not telling people from there anything they don't know. It's just... Um, it's a little bit run down and older and, you know, an industrial uh, town that the... And stuff closed down, that kind of thing. It's, I mean, it's, it's a rougher area. Uh, Lynn Bowden would tell you the same thing. So, um, yeah, he's not, he's not going to Youngstown State, but it's out there. So we've heard. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Tomorrow we'll talk more about the Kentucky's game against Vanderbilt, and also uh, we'll get, uh, we'll hear from Joel Justice. We'll talk about what uh, he had to say as he. Uh, meets with the media uh, Tuesday afternoon, so we'll discuss that as well. And in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right, thanks for listening, guys. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.